0: And now, here's Matt Mosley. Hi, Matt Mosley, and uh, happy to be joined by Andy Larson on the Matt Mosley Show, ESPN Central, Texas. Andy, great to have you back. And uh, boy, this is the last time we were doing this. I think it was, uh, oh, they were all uh, sequestered in um, and, and the bubble, NBA bubble. Glad all the fans are back now. We're having a good time. And Utah and you are coming to Dallas. And, uh, this is going to be a fascinating series. Andy, you would have thought before this series that Utah could be in some trouble here, the way you know things ended. But now this Luka thing has thrown doubt into the uh, series. Have you ever done more like oppo research on an injury than you have for Luka Doncic?
1: Absolutely not. You know, like I've talked to multiple doctors even around Salt Lake just about like calf strains and the kind of like fancy advanced equipment that NBA teams might have and kind of dealing with those calf strains and so on, but no. Um, And, you know, I think rightfully so because this is, I think probably determines the series. Like I do think like if Luca's healthy, the Mavs should probably be favored based on their regular season performance. And if not, you know, I think it's hard to say that they, the Mavs have as much talent as the Jazz do. You know, the Jazz really might have the three best players on the floor if if Luca's not out there.
0: Yeah, and you know you can't. You could try to rest him two games and see if you get a split. But if you get in you know, O two, and then you try to, you know, it it even puts more and more pressure on Luca. And uh, it, it's uh, it's going to be fascinating uh, to watch. What are the Jazz players? I'm, I'm I'm sure they're trying just to focus on themselves. How much do you think, as far as Quinn getting his plan together, approaching this series? Um, and i know they're being asked about it because i'm sure you've asked them about luca how how are they sort of separating their getting ready for the series and then all the stuff swirling with one of the best players in the nba
1: you know that like look regardless if luca plays or not they have to prepare against the mavs having luca on court or not you know they, they have to prepare against those bench lineups as well and you know, they say the Mavs kind of want to play a similar way with and without Luka. You know, some of the plays that they run are are identical. Um, Some of them, you know, they're going to defend in the same way with or without Luka. It is kind of just Luka is so effective in in pick and roll and as an individual scorer that, um, you know, you have to do some special things against him. But in terms of kind of the the basics of what the Mavs do, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it is kind of the same either way. And so that's kind of what they've been telling us over the last week. And then, yeah, you know, honestly, because because of how the Jazz ended the season, they're using this week as kind of a get right week and to, you know, get better at some of their what they call absolutes, the transition defense, the ball movement, what we call the the blender offense, where, you know, the Jazz are kind of moving the ball around the perimeter and getting open threes and open layups and dunks. So I, I think that has been a, a large focus of this week, too, is just like, hey, let's get right. Let's figure out our fourth quarter offense a little bit. And that way, you know, they, you know, if the Jazz want to go far in this playoffs, even if beyond this first round series, then they'll obviously have to be playing their best. And, um, you know, I, I think that's that's not where we what we've seen from the Jazz over the last month or so.
0: Utah Jazz and NBA beat Riders from the Salt Lake Tribune. Andy Larson joining the Matt Mosley show ESPN Central Texas. That's an interesting phrase, fourth quarter offense, because you kind of think, well, the offense is the offense, but obviously something hasn't been working. Um, Andy, is this something that at this point, do you feel like it's kind of in their head? It almost seems like a, a mental thing. When when you, and you do a great job of breaking these things down. Do you see like real obvious things in fourth quarters in a lot of these? Uh, is the common denominator the balls sticking? Is there a lot of iso ball? Like, what's the what's the biggest thing that that you feel like is going haywire to allow teams to to come back and and beat the Jazz?
1: Yeah, you know, I, I think you hit the nail on the head. It is they, they're slowing the offense down, and and you do see the game slow down a little bit in the last five minutes, but. The jazz kind of walk the ball up the court and instead of maybe trying pick and roll with Rudy Gobert twice or three times, if it doesn't work really kind of, they only have time for one. And then you are kind of looking at a lot of Donovan Mitchell isolation possessions. And um, he has not been efficient at that this year. And and so I think you do see kind of some, some bad shots as he tries to force some of those shots up Um, some turnovers. If he is trying to make those plays late in the shot clock. And as a result, you know, you see kind of teams running the other way getting these, these, you know, kind of really easy transition baskets. And um, I do think part of it is mental. You know, I think you do start to see, you know, I've seen this team lose three 16-point fourth quarter leads in the last seven games and uh, against the Warriors, against the Clippers, and against the Suns. And what I've seen every time is, you know, they get that lead and the team goes on, you know, even the smallest of a run, a 4-0 run against them. That lead goes down to 12 or 10, and they just looked cooked. They looked defeated. They looked nervous. They looked slow. They looked hesitant. They look like they know what's going to happen. And meanwhile, the other team is aware of Utah's reputation and says, you know, hey, if we can get even just a little bit of a of a hold in this game whatsoever, you know, we can come back all the way and 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 defeat this team. So, uh, you know, I, I think that's what the Jazz will have to overcome that at some point. And you know, obviously, it doesn't get more important than than the playoffs. And so. Um, you know, in in many ways, it is like a fourth quarter of a regular season game, but for all four quarters. And so, maybe you know, I, I think that's going to have to be a key part of the Jazz figuring out what does their clutch offense look like. Um, how can they perform when defenses ratchet up the pressure over the course of 48 minutes?
0: You know, it'd be fascinating to watch because you know, Dinwiddie has at times looked great for the Mavs. He's been in a little bit of a lull here lately, but there was a moment. There was a a period of time over about a five ten game period where he was averaging 20 points a game, uh hitting some last-second shots. So, I mean, in a way, you would be asking him to step in to Luca's role. He can't be Luka, but he can score. He can take on some of the scoring load. What do you think, w- w- when you kind of look at what the lineup would look like without Doncic, w- w- what do you think – that Quinn and the Jazz would be most focused on? I mean, Dwight Powell has an unbelievable shooting percentage, but he doesn't shoot it outside the lane. You don't have to worry about him around three-point. Brunson's a really good player. Uh, wh- who do you think they would have to uh, uh, spend most of their time preparing for if Luke is not ready to go?
1: Yeah, you know, I think it's clearly the backcourt of Brunson and Dinwiddie and, you know, I, I think it back to some of the games over the last couple of months that where the Jazz have traveled down to Dallas and, and lost those games um Dinwiddie's had some good a good performance and um had some efficient games as well you know I think obviously if, if Dinwiddie starts you you put Royce O'Neal on him he's kind of the Jazz's starting perimeter defender I actually think new acquisition who's just picked up on a 10 day this year and then signed for the rest of the season Daniel House has been maybe the more effective defender of the two and so he could be getting more minutes if you know you start to see Spencer Dinwiddie or, or Brunson kind of start to go off um You know, I think Mike Conley is going to play a significant role in defending Brunson, and he has been a good defender this year. You know, I think he's kind of back healthy as compared to last year and so has been moving a little bit better on the defensive end of the floor. Um, And then I'm very curious to see, frankly, like whether or not the Mavs go small ball, maybe play Maxi Kleba at the five, maybe even play a Davis Bertons at the five and, uh, you know, kind of space the floor against the Jazz, kind of like the Clippers did in last year's playoffs. Um, and and make kind of push Rudy Gobert out of the paint a little bit, maybe giving more space to Jalen Brunson, more space to Spencer Dinwiddie for them to operate inside the paint.
0: Yeah, Bertans, you put him out there for about two or three minutes or five minutes to see if he can hit any threes, and if he does it, you kind of get him off the floor is, uh, is the way a lot, you know, you handle that. Daniel House is an interesting guy because he used to be with the Rockets and he certainly had moments. And it is interesting how playoff times, uh, you can catch lightning in a bottle with certain players. And the Jazz certainly need, uh, an infusion, you know, from somebody like that. The, um, the ongoing, uh, Andy Larson, Salt Lake uh, Tribune, joining us, Salt Lake uh, Tribune, uh, beat writer for the Utah Jazz, joining us on the Matt Mosley show. Rudy and Donovan, you know, you almost have to kind of watch that as like a soap opera. Uh, there's, some, there's certainly some history there. Um, there's some, maybe some looks that they've given each other in recent games. and some, uh, w- Where do you think all that is? And I, I, are we kind of to a point where we just have to kind of um, embrace the idea that these guys are never going to be particularly close, but that doesn't mean they can't find a way to coexist?
1: Yeah, you know, I think the relationship kind of at its best over the last couple of years has been described as like useful coworkers, you know, like it's a coworker that maybe you depend on, but you're not going to be hanging out with outside Mm -hmm. of work. And that's certainly where, you know, I think Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert are kind of at the best of times now. And and then you kind of hope that it doesn't seep into the work, which is what has, I think, happened in the the last couple of uh, of months. You know, I I think there it's interesting. You still kind of... Talk to them in, in media press uh, press conference situations, and um, it, it's Donovan will always say, "Hey, you know the defense needs to improve." Um, Rudy will always say, "Hey, the offense needs to improve." And it's it's like the, neither player is really kind of taking accountability for the situation here, and I think that's kind of led to maybe a, a, a widening of the gap. You know, I I don't think it's catastrophic. You know, I, I think you know Donovan is, and Rudy Gobert is still a, is a really effective pick and roll option. You know, it's averaging 1.2 points per possession when they run that play in, in half-court situations. And so, like, I, I can say that, like, hey, you know, that's one of the top five point guard, uh, or guard, big man pick and roll combinations in the league. And so, you, you know, it's, it's working relatively well. Um, I, I think, to be honest, the the bigger question with the Donovan and Rudy relationship is less about this series when I think they're going to be effective and more about uh, what happens in the offseason and kind of, if the jazz do lose in the first round or even in the second round to so say the Phoenix suns, you know, uh, what happens with the team from there?
0: Yeah. I mean, we thought this would be the pairing for a long time and, and we see in the NBA things can change in a hurry. I, I love that somebody, uh, I guess, created a, a, uh, anti-clutch moments quote, anti-clutch moments for the jazz. <laughs> and you <laughs> you posted this and I think, uh, and you noted that it's a pretty lengthy thing and, um, it's got to be crazy. I mean, Quinn's taken his fair uh, share of some shots, uh, and he's always been thought of as a brilliant uh, basketball mind, and, and I like Quinn a lot, but uh, it, it it does seem strange that, that this they've gotten into such a funk. But, again, this Doncic thing could help them. Who knows if they got a little momentum in the series. Let me ask you about one other thing. Do you have a picture – uh, yesterday of, of uh, Jared Butler wearing a Buckets O'Neal t-shirt. Now, you have a lot of Baylor fans in the audience right now. Um, first of all, I know, I know uh, uh, Royce, based on where he was expected to go in professional basketball, has far exceeded that. And I know he's taken some criticism this year and his unwillingness to shoot at times I know is annoying to fans. But let me ask you about Jared. Has this been a kind of a... I mean, do you sense that even though he hasn't gotten a ton of playing time, obviously in some of the meaningless action late, he he had some nice playing time? Um, do you feel like he's made strides despite the fact that he hasn't really uh, received that much time on the court this season?
1: Yeah, I do. You know, I think uh, I think Jared first of all, I have to say the front office loves Jared. You know, I think they love what he's done in practices. They've loved what he's done kind of in the three on three, five on five games that you do see when in, in kind of in the middle of the season was kind of the end of the bench guys. He got a terrific jump shot. Um, and then it's kind of about, okay, how do you kind of add? And, and I think a terrific handle as well. And then it's kind of how do you add around that and make that work in, in a five man NBA concept. And I think that's kind of what he's, struggling with right now is kind of does have kind of a tendency to over dribble a little bit. He is obviously small. So kind of needs to be needs to fight on the defensive end at at a high level. Um, And then kind of the the playmaking of, Hey, you know, when is it his turn to kind of try to take someone one-on-one and use that jump shot or uh, take a, maybe a mildly contested three. and, And when is it better to just kind of keep the offense moving, swing it around and, you know, maybe give the ball to a Jordan Clarkson or, uh, another player. And that's something that obviously a lot of rookies struggle with, but you know, as far as like a, a 40th pick go it goes, I, you know, I think it's a still a relative steal for the jazz and, you know, we'll see how he how he performs next year. And I think, you know, the jazz do plan on playing him more next year. It's just kind of been a, a tough situation with, with him and, and another good young point guard, Trent Forrest and, uh, in, in the roster as well. So I, I think the Jazz are still high on Jared. You know, I think this offseason is going to be really critical for him. Uh, and I think, again, kind of like understanding that, hey, he's not probably going to be the best player on the floor. Um, and kind of how do you add uh, kind of add value in that, in that circumstance? Kind of like a, a Seth Curry had to learn. Uh, even like someone like a J.J. Redick had to learn. You know, it's, it's just kind of when you are playing for the, the best team in college basketball, that that's one thing. Um, but you know the NBA is a whole different thing with with the the size and length that some of these guys have. But I do think that the team really does you know believe in him kind of in in the long term moving forward.
0: I like hearing it. It has to be rough to see Davion Mitchell on a and on a you know obviously a, a bad team, but putting up big numbers, getting tons of time, all of that, and. uh, and and thinking man I I feel like I should be getting time but Jared as you know is an unbelievable kid and uh, not the kind of guy that's going to get discouraged and that kind of thing so from a from a tangible standpoint I don't know if there could be any better so anyway Andy um, look forward to seeing you in uh, Dallas Uh, safe travels to you as we get this uh, series going on Saturday at noon sounds good thank you Matt you bet there he goes uh Andy Larson uh Salt Lake uh, Trib covers the uh, Utah Jazz. Uh-oh. Uh-oh. It appears we have some breaking news. I'll send it to Aaron in the uh, in our uh, our newsroom. What do you have for us, sir? Uh
1: it's a uh, pretty uh well, it's perfect timing actually. Uh the Athletic is reporting that Luka will miss game 1 Saturday.
0: Yeah, that's certainly what it uh what it appears to be and uh it's uh uh it is a uh it's kind of a rough uh, uh rough scene for the Mavs. Uh and and again I kinda got I wanted to look and see some of our other people who cover the team, like Brad Townsend and McMahon to see because it was a national writer Shams um, Sharania, who I know reported that. But uh yeah, it's it is uh it is big news. And we shall see uh, what that means for the Mavs and uh, if that is indeed accurate. And it's really interesting that somebody, if they didn't need to, why would somebody leak that story? Because they don't actually have to say if he's playing or not. They have to give like an injury, like uh, update 24 hours before, like he's questionable or probable or whatever. They have to do that. But they don't have to say yay or nay on him playing until game day, and and could even wait closer to game time. So the 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 thought of somebody feeling the need to leak this doesn't make a ton of sense. But Aaron is exactly right. Uh, the Athletic has it out there that um, that Luka Doncic is uh, not going to play in this game. All right.